What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, the one and only Ben Fisher. Are you sure I'm the one and only? I actually am not, and it's very likely that you're not the one and only. You know, there's got to be at least like 500 other Ben Fishers out there. Even with my, my last name spelling, I'm probably not the one and only. But, yeah, you know, uh, as far as <laughs> content creators, ugh, uh, I, I guess I am. <laughs> Maybe. I don't even know if that's true. Oh, if you know a better Ben Fisher, uh, a Ben Fisher that's better at magic than I am, let me know because I have to kill him. That, that's just how that's it works. Fair. Yeah. That... Well, this is episode number 40. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, this week, we're talking mental magic. It's another installment of our mental magic series. If you haven't heard the last one, I recommend you go back and check that out. They're kind of evergreen episodes and can always get something out of them. Uh, but ideally, we're talking about ways to keep yourself sane and mentally healthy with regards to Magic the Gathering and just life in general. And this week we're talking about finding your set. But before we get into that, of course, check out the Discord if you haven't already. Link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And that's the best place to go to communicate with us and the rest of the aficionados. We've got a lot of channels open for a whole lot of different formats. And of course, with Strixhaven right around the corner, it's the best time to get in there and start brainstorming some new ideas for the Strixhaven set as we get more and more spoilers there. Also, if you're interested in giving back to the show or contributing in any way, shape, or form, the best place to do that is Patreon. You can check that out at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. This is our primary sponsor these days, so we really appreciate all of our patrons over there helping us out and continuing to get us doing this week in and week out. Uh, Our lowest tier there starts at $2 and up to $10, and of course you can Give as much as you want there. And if you're not into Patreon, that's cool. We totally get it. The podcast is free for everybody. But we would really ask that you just share the show. Send it to your friends. Send it to your enemies. Send it to your loved ones. And send it to people you hate. Because, you know, we'll probably (laughs) annoy them in some way, shape, or form. So, all right. Crack a draft type thing. Ben, why don't you kick us off with this? Yeah, I've got an interesting one this week. So, I have a pack three, pick four here. So, we're in the a few picks in the pack three. We've already got a pretty developed deck here. I'm going to read off some of the main cards. I've got double Blizzard Brawl. Uh, there's uh, an aggressive package, double rune, uh, Run Amok, Fearless Liberator, Rune of Speed, two Goldvein picks, Finn the Fangbearer. Uh, it's a scary Firewalker, Runed Crown to go with our uh, Rune of Speed. We've also got a Torolf, God of Fury, Elderleaf Mentor, Sorolf's Packmate, Assault Ravager, Rootless You, Ravenous Linworm, some other junkers in there too. And then as for uh, lands, I've got a Skemfar Elder Hall, Shimmer Drift Veil, uh, two of them and a snow-covered forest. So the pack that I got past to me here in, in uh, pick th- four of pack three, it has a few cards that I'm looking at here that are interesting. Again, feel free to rewind and, and re-listen to those cards if you need uh, more context. But this pick is between, I think, three main cards. There's other things in here. There's a, a Vengeful Reaper. Uh, there's an X-Guard Armory. There's a Death Knell Berserker, a Skull Raid. There's other cards in here. But the cards I'm looking at are, actually, they're all three right next to each other, funnily enough. Demon Bolt. Goldvein Pick, and Snow-Covered Forest. I stared at this one, as you can see by my screenshot and the progress bar. Uh, this one took me a while. <laughs> yeah, this is interesting, and it's exceptionally interesting to me because you have a premium removal spell right next to a land, like a basic land, and you're like heavily considering which one you need for your deck. I think that's just, you know, that is evidence of what type of format this is. But uh, yeah, I mean, this isn't super... I, this is this is kind of a difficult pick, right? It's not it's not super clear what you should be taking here. You don't seem to have a ton of removal. There's the Blizzard Bras, mm-hmm. and you already have two Goldvein picks. So while I think Goldvein pick is in the top three best cards for the deck, 
or for, for for this pack. I think it's dropping below the other two that you mentioned for me. Yeah, I agree. I'm also a little low on two drops. I, I like to think of Gold Vein Pick as a three drop with a quip zero. Uh, it, it ends up playing out more like that. You really want to play a two drop and then put the pick on it. I mean, you can play the pick on two and then play the creature on three and then equip it, but then you're just down an attack and mana, right? Right, so yeah, you're, you're losing out a lot of tempo to do that. Yeah, uh, you really want a critical mass of two drops. And right now, all I have are Finn, the Fearless Liberator, and I have a, a Jasper Sentinel hiding down there in the one drop slot. But I didn't even mention that before because that's not really <laughs> anything super exciting. But uh, so my my biggest problem here was that I have three Snowlands, Shimmerdurf Veil times two, and a Snow-Covered Forest. So this Snow-Covered Forest would turn on my Blizzard Brawls, uh, or at least attempt to. Now, I guess this pick is also context-dependent. This is from a while ago. I don't remember how uh, how much snow I was seeing get, getting past to me, but this is a pick for Snow-Covered Forest, so that's already a pretty good sign that nobody to my right is snapping up those Snowlands, because if they are, they're probably in green unless they're playing the, the blue-black or, or uh, blue-black-red build. In which case, I doubt they would have passed the Demon Bolt, but you know. Uh, so I'm looking at the Snow-Covered Forest, but at the same time, my creatures are pretty uh, pretty beefy. Got Packmate, Torolf, Got a Fury, Craven Hulk, Basalt Ravager, Rootless You, Ravenous Linworm. These are creatures that don't necessarily need that Indestructible Clause from the Blizzard Brawl in order to get you know a good True. benefit. It's still just a one-mana fight spell. Like, prey upon, right? People are going to play that in, in pretty much any set. It's playable green removal, especially when paired with larger creatures. Yeah, so, I, I, I'm right there with you. I think if if all you're looking at, right, the, the Snow-Covered Forest is really only benefiting your Blizzard Brawls. You don't have really any other cards in the deck that are caring too much about your Snow-Covered Lands. So that in mind, and given that a lot of your creatures, like you said, you don't have very many twos, you've got the one one-drop, and then your threes are kind of middle of the middle of the road but after three all your creatures are pretty big so yeah they don't really need the indestructible clause and like i said you're light on removal in the first place so i'd probably snap the demon bolt here yeah i did end up taking demon bolt but i, I thought this is an interesting pick uh eh, get it pick because of first of all the pick and also because i think there's some people that might see the snow covered forest and go oh I, I need this in my deck right i need to turn on these blizzard brawls but i'm not guaranteed to get more snowlands after this if i knew my next like if i knew i was guaranteed to get three more snow forests or mountains in the next few picks then i might have taken the forest here because that makes blizzard brawls really good and that means i can blizzard brawl my it's a scary firewalker on like turn four maybe reliably but as of right now because i'm I, this would only put me up to four then that doesn't mean that i'm reliably hitting those blizzard brawls i think the demon bolt is you know, I think most people might uh, just snap the Demon Bolt here, which I, I do think is, is right. I, I didn't end up taking the Demon Bolt, but no, no, I, I thought it was still an interesting pick. Now, the one thing I also want to mention is that there's a dual strike in this uh, in this pack. Have you gotten dual strike to work at all? I have not. I don't think I've cast the card yet. Yeah, me neither. Um, plus, it's more expensive to foretell it. I guess it's less expensive while you're casting it with foretell, but uh, you need like double red or you can foretell it and then cast it for a red. So it's a little bit awkward mana wise. Uh foretelling it and then uh, dual striking run amok or blizzard brawl does seem pretty hot that's but true i don't know that's probably not where you want to be unless you're playing some kind of like really janky brew well that brings us to our next segment and this week we're trying something a little bit different we got a little bit of feedback last week from scrappy kid in the discord but they're not the first person to give us this piece of feedback and the thought is we had the teferi tybalt segment which is kind of like mm -hmm. 
uh, roses or thorns or essentially we talk about something that happened really good something good from the previous week and something bad from the previous week and kind of just give you guys some insight to what's going on in our lives and we were calling it Teferi Tybalt because Teferi was the best of the best in standard at the time when we started the show and a number of other formats and has seen a lot of hate across multiple formats since the printing of three fairy and also Teferi Hero of Dominaria and Ben and I have a little bit of an inside joke with the original Red Red Tybalt uh-huh. from from Avacyn Restored. So that's why we put that in there. But now Tybalt has a good card. Like there's a printing of Tybalt that is quite yeah. good. And then there's a, an auxiliary card in Tybalt's Trickery that was also seeing a lot of hate in certain formats. And so essentially, long story short, some folks have come to us and said, hey, maybe you should rename this segment because Tybalt's not bad anymore. And a lot of newer folks won't recognize Tybalt as a bad card if they just got to the game. So we're going to try a new name for the segment. Let us know in the Discord what you think of the new name and if we should keep it this way or go back to the old way. Uh, we definitely want to take all of your feedback into account and, and roll with that. So we're calling it Keep or Mull, right? So we'll keep something from the previous week or we would rather mulligan something from the previous week. So oh, we'll, wait, we'll check that out. Do you hear that? That's the sound of us losing half of our listener base after you know, <laughs> uh, enacting a drastic change after 40 episodes. <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah. No, if that didn't happen when we rebranded and redid the whole like uh intro change and, you know, music change and all that, I think we're okay with this. But that 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 one was for the better. I, I think uh, keeping all that has been has been pretty great. I guess we can bring ourselves into the future with an updated, you know, roses and thorns. What what did Marshall call it? Was it like slops or chops or something? <laughs> something like that, yeah. I, yeah, I don't remember well, exactly, but something like that. Why don't you uh kick us off with your keep or mole? By the way, um in case you're listening to this and like don't follow magic, in which case, what are you doing here? Um, <laughs> it, it's good when you keep and generally seen as not so great when you have to mull again. This is true. So my keep this week is that my aquarium is coming together quite nicely. Uh, I think last mm. week I mentioned that I was getting into fish keeping and starting to put a, put a tank together. Uh, it's in the middle of the nitrogen cycle right now, so no fish in the tank yet, but hoping to build up that beneficial bacteria and get the water to... A level where the fish won't be like people in a room full of smoke <laughs> and just dying on the things that they're breathing but um yeah hopefully in the next uh, couple of weeks we'll be able to get some fish in there that would be nice my mulligan would be that i have been in a pretty bad headspace lately like the last i want to say almost two weeks now i've just been like extremely irritable and I get, mm. I've been getting aggravated over like every little thing, which is very uncharacteristic of me. I tend to not get yeah. very aggravated at all, but, uh, yeah, I don't know what is causing it. It might, my guess is that it's, I've been cooped up inside for far too long without actual interaction with real people outside of my roommate and my wife. And I, I was like, about to say, I'm telling Hannah that you call her <laughs> a not real person. <laughs> no, no, I, I covered, you know, I'm, I'm all right. Um, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. yeah, outside of that, like I haven't really interacted with too many people. I haven't been outside. And I think I'm also like sitting at a computer 12 plus hours a day, basically at this point. So might be a little less than that, but you know, it's, it's approaching that double digits and it's not, I don't know if you knew this, but that's not great for your health, <laughs> physical and mental health. It's just not, it's not amazing. So I think that's it. I'm hoping with the upcoming nice weather we're supposed to be getting here in the Northeast that I'll be able to get outside a bit more and that will, uh, take a take a turn for the better yeah i think that's it i think especially during the pandemic it's been really easy to kind of get into funks for like sections of time 
Uh, I almost said chunks of time, but then I would have had uh, a rhyme. And that's just, <laughs> that's all. I can't do that. Um, I think once it gets warmer, it'll be easier to find things to do. Uh, right now, it's pretty easy to get done work like on your computer and then be like, well, time to uh, switch over to doing fun things also on my computer. Right, exactly. But, yeah, like today, I, I was thinking about going for a run today, but it's like gross and pouring rain out, so I didn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think once it's, you know, starting to get nicer out, hopefully that that funk breaks. Yeah. But how about you? How, how are things going for you this week? Let's see. I'll, I'll start with my, uh, my keep. Ooh, feels weird to say. So I finally got my new PC. Uh, it took ages. I should know it's 99% new, uh, the GPUs for my old computer. It's funny because I've got like top of the line CPU and everything else. But then the GPU is like a, a 10 series. So it's uh, uh, it, it works though. And it no longer crashes like my old one did. The fact that I can have, because I have two monitors, I can have Arena on one and then a Chrome tab up on the other without it just instantly catching fire is incredible to me. Yeah, I can't even hear it like fire, like spinning in the background or anything. You can't <laughs> hear the fans spinning up. It's it's that's good stuff. Yeah, usually with Discord and like our video tabs and then the one Chrome tab that I need for the show notes, usually that has it pretty stressed out. But <laughs> it seems like it's it's finally gotten used to things. So yeah, it's great. Maybe I'll even bling it out with some RGB nonsense if I feel like it. Uh, but we'll see. Um, I had some good uh, good magic plays this week. I hadn't touched Kaldheim in a little bit. I was a little off it, and then I decided, well, I'll jump back in. I need a uh, I need a good cracker draft for this week anyway. Maybe I can happen to catch one while drafting. So I actually had one game where I beat seven cards worth of card disadvantage. Wow. So um, my, my opponent played triple Elder Fang Disciple and double Skull Raid over the first, like, six turns, whatever Jeez. the math comes out to be. That's rough. Yeah, uh, and I, uh, it, it was it was uh, not an easy game to win. They made me discard most of my hand. I was playing a, a slower blue-red Giants deck, a more controlling build, uh, Cyclone Summoner and that type of thing. But I had two copies of Glimpse in my deck, and I ended up top-decking a, uh, a Basalt Ravager, killing off one of their Elderfang Disciples, and then I top-decked Glimpse, which I used to find my second Glimpse. And I got right back into it. My opponent was so tilted that they roped me, but I won the game. So what does it matter? <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, and then I had probably one of the, the goofiest decks that I've played in Kaldheim. Some people in the Discord already saw this, but I had a blue-white Flyers deck. Um, I had a pretty early Raven's Warning. And then a bunch of other little Flyers, uh, you know, the, the Falcon and uh, little tiny other things like Spirits. I might have had a Clarion Spirit in that deck. But here's the catch. The third chapter of Raven's Warning lets you put a card from your sideboard on top of your deck. In pack three, I opened a Valky. Interesting. Uh, and I was pl- I was like solidly in blue white at that point. But you don't pass Valky. So I look at my la- I look at my lands and my mana, and I had a blue red duel, uh, and I think it was a black white duel. And I look at them and I go, "Wait a minute, <laughs> Mad Lad <laughs> actually did it." I can cast this card, but it might not be smart to start it. So I put it in the sideboard, and then. <laughs> I, I this wasn't just a meme i had other cards in my sideboard to get to i i had like disenchant effects and and uh, bind the monsters other removal spells that didn't make it in i had a pretty solid blue white deck and well uh i did actually get to do it once <laughs> just a single time wow. where i drew just the right lands and it worked out and my opponent obviously never saw it coming <laughs> oh yeah i mean who would uh, you, you don't awesome. play around the uh the black red planeswalker in the blue white deck my mull this week uh was Similarly, gameplay-wise, I punted a really close game. It was a, 
essentially a 2000 gem loss because I, I was playing traditional and it was uh, my match three, uh, game three. Uh, uh, and well, we, we kind of got, we kind of gotten down to parody. Uh, my opponent had two six sixes. I had four, four fours and I was at five. My opponent attacked with both, both their six sixes. They had like one card in hand. I wasn't really worried about it. So my opponent swings at two six sixes. They might've been windworms, for example. I had four, four fours. They might've been like troll tokens. I forget what they came from. So I have to block. I meant to double block both of them, which of course leaves me with great board advantage. I would have been fine. I could have like even started attacking back. I quad blocked. I don't, <laughs> I, I put all four on one of them. And then the best part was uh, I had, I had like one mana up and a card in my hand and my opponent, like they tanked. For like a minute, like, <laughs> what on earth does he have? They like they Demon pulled Bolt up. Do it. Yeah, they they pulled up the spoiler and were like going through <laughs> every card that could possibly be in your deck. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I of course didn't have anything. I, I'm not even entirely sure where that would be correct. I guess you would need like bounce or something, but no, uh, I I was just really tired. I think, and uh, well, I guess you could say my my mental magic wasn't the best. Yeah, so that one okay, hurt. But... We'll, we'll go with that. Um, well, that brings us to our listener question of the week. This week, Koga asks, what are your top three sets to draft on Arena? And conversely, what are your bottom three? Ooh, this is a great question because it also kind of leads right into our episode topic this week. Yeah. So I would say my personal all-time favorite, the best, most fun I've ever had on Arena was the original Arena Cube, where uh, green and red were both broken. I think green-red aggro was the best deck and then some flavor of like mono red or mono green was the next best thing. Uh, I, I think I I probably had, I don't even remember what it was, like close to like a 75% win rate or, or something. Above. Yeah, it was like, absurd. It was really, really high. I, I made like 70,000 gold off of it. it. It was it was wild. I had such a blast. It was my all-time favorite. And then when the Arena Cube came back, it was balanced. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so rude. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, a very enjoyable experience. I'd say Dominaria is my next favorite. A really great set. So many cool things you can do in it. Uh, and after that, probably Ikoria, which I know you didn't really get to play too much of, but Mm-mm. lots of fun archetypes. It was kind of hampered by the Zenith Flare problem, but once that kind of got resolved, there's a lot of really interesting things you can do there. I, I think Humans was my favorite deck, Black-White Humans. Yeah, Sirkovitz has talked up Ikoria quite a bit. Uh, outside of the Zenith Flare menace, he, he had a lot of uh, really interesting archetypes uh, that came out mm-hmm. of that format dominary was also one that i really enjoyed when it first released but i remember the last time it flashbacked on arena i did really poorly with it so mm-hmm. i don't know if that was just i didn't prep enough for the flashback and i kind of forgot what was going on in the format yeah. uh, but i do remember really enjoying it the first time around so i'd probably say that is in my top three the arena cube has to be up there too because it's the first time we've been able to see arena like cube on arena and it worked um, and they iterated on it and they brought it back and it's coming back again. We just found out today that it's going to be back in, I think, next week, actually. Oh, so, sweet. like, I'm excited to see where they're going with that. And, of course, like an actual cube that is consistently being re- brought back to the the platform and adjusted and new, getting new cards and all that kind of stuff is always going to be super fun. So definitely those two are in my top three. I didn't draft Ikoria. I haven't done a single Ikoria draft, so can't Man. say that's in my top three. Or my bottom three. I can't really make this list. I think my next favorite would probably be... I want to say Guilds because it was the first time mm. back to my favorite plane. Yeah, okay. And the format was fine. It wasn't exceptional. 
because of the way that you know some of the guilds felt underrepresented because they they did that like they split them out mm. but uh i i tend to remember the second of that block um prior like the set prior to war of the spark allegiance right yes yes ravnica allegiance was i think a bit better than than the former um and mm. it, they brought some really cool uh you know mechanics and such surveil and things like that were, were really interesting so yeah, uh, I'd say I'd put that in my top three. Bottom three, M twenty one's definitely at my bottom. Mm-hmm. Bottom third, um, I kind of want to say Kaldheim as well because I haven't felt super invested in the format. Like it was fun to do the first like couple weeks of drafts, and then I, since then I've been kind of off of it. Mm-hmm. But outside of those, I can't really think of one that I've wanted to put in the in the third. Like I have a bottom two, I can't really think of a bottom third. How about omniscience draft when you open no cards that say draw a card? That's pretty. Yeah, awful. that'll do it. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> awful. Yeah, I I almost put uh, Allegiance in my top three. It was pretty close um, between that and Ikoria. I, mean, I was a big fan of Allegiance. The uh, the Simic decks and Gruul decks were a lot of fun. My bottom three actually, I have Guilds in, in my bottom three. It's probably the, the top of the bottom though. Uh, it was a little bit busted if you were in Boros. No, that's and that's other, true. And then sometimes the other Guilds wouldn't really get to do much. It, it was fun. Uh, inspiring Unicorn probably would have been the draft draft hero of that one. That's is it inspiring unicorn something like that whatever the unicorn was called it gave all of your creatures plus one plus one when it attacked that was just really really good and healer's hawk and i love a little one one flyer but anyway um that was kind of the only golgari got pretty uh pretty screwed over there and i will not stand for that so speaking of sets where a golgari occasionally gets screwed over (laughs) kaldheim i think i'm down on kaldheim right now i'm gonna put it in the bottom three because it's the current set um and I, i agree with you i think for the first several weeks it was great and now that we're at the point in the format where I usually like to try to start doing weird stuff, like uh, back in Zendikar, where people started drafting, say, blue-green wizards, uh, that that type of deck, like the, the weird hidden archetypes that you want. Now that you've gotten the 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 main experience out of the limited environment, you want to try to start pushing it and seeing if you can break, uh, and then see where exactly the fun still can be found in the format. I have found that with Kaldheim, every time I try to push uh, push the envelope a little bit. I just run into snow and then a snow deck that they'll, they'll like draw four snow basics and their first four turns and then just run me over within a Sika's chariot. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I had fun, <laughs> but did I? Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't get to do my thing. So yeah, I'm think, down on it right now. That's I all. I think the snow decks really ruined that because you got a lot of the shenanigan aspects of the format really early because everybody was so high on snow. Mm-hmm. That and you have that aspect where it's so well supported that you can take whatever cards you want in your snow deck. So you got to play around with a bunch of stuff before you really got to do the quote unquote normal thing as a typical set would have it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I don't really see Caldheim having that aspect uh, this time around, which is a little unfortunate. Yeah, I think a bad snow deck will lose to almost anything. I think a medium snow deck has a slightly favored matchup against most things except maybe the, the heavy white decks and then a great snow deck i think is the best deck in the format yeah. i just don't see how these other decks can compete for example uh, you could be doing some kind of today i tried to do a fun little thing with uh, an early pick battle of Bredegard after i had picked up some other token makers early i was like oh this is sweet i haven't gotten to try this yet and then my opponent played a sorrel's pack mate i'm like yeah, okay I mean, well i, I lose <laughs> like I, I can't beat this <laughs> but um Anywho, I'd that's, say M21 would round out the, the bottom for me. That that set was just a little too skewed aggressive. Well, that kind of segues into our main topic. Thank you for the question, Koga, and feel free to continue dropping those in our listener questions channel on the Discord. 
But this week, like we said, we're talking about finding your set. And by that, I mean understanding what type of sets bring you enjoyment. What type of sets do you find you like? Because I I think it can often be pretty easy to feel like you, quote unquote, have to enjoy a set just because the Twitterverse or the rest of the Magic community at large is saying it's a good set or it's a fun format. Yeah. And I found in the past that I myself can get bogged down by thinking like, I don't really see where everybody else is coming from. I'm seeing countless people saying that this is a fun format or this is a good format or it's an all-timer or something like that and I just cannot enjoy it. And I think there's a lot of pressure on players to enjoy these formats when other players are enjoying them and that's not really what games are about, right? Games are meant to be fun and if you're not having fun, you shouldn't really be playing it. So we wanted to take this time this week to kind of go over some of the things that we see uh, plays a factor into kind of coming to terms with understanding what your set is or what what sets that you like look like and how you can kind of take some stock of what sets you find enjoyable and how you can make some heuristics early so that in the future you don't have to put as much work into it when a new set comes out you can kind of do a litmus test real quick and say yeah i'm probably going to like this or no i'm going to do a couple drafts and be happy to to call it that like call it an end there Mm -hmm. so yeah essentially this can call a lot of uh headache and frustration uh if you don't know what sets you like if you're just you know coming into a new set and everybody's telling you wow this set's great you should enjoy this and you just don't know what's going on you can get really frustrated or if you don't find that you agree with people it can be frustrating because you're you know not sure what you're missing um ben had into our show notes here that there's a little quote to live by uh, do you want to do you want to drop that in yeah sure uh, i think i saw this on twitter once that uh uh, something like part of developing a style is admitting to yourself that you don't like doing certain things. I think that has a few key aspects there. Developing a style, well, the type of decks that you like to play, the type of format that you enjoy is your style. That's your style of playing the game. And uh, admitting to yourself is the next big part here. You actually have to consciously be aware of that, right? You have to be aware, I enjoy sets that are like X. I don't enjoy sets that include Y. Uh, and that you don't like doing certain things. What are those things? You got to identify those, right? Figure out what they are um, and see when sets, like I said, have them or don't. Yeah, there's definitely a bit of work to be done here, and it it, inc- it requires a little bit of an upfront investment on your part to take these notes and understand these things. But I think once that's done, you A, you save yourself a lot of time in the in the future. B, you save yourself a lot of frustration in the future. And C, it allows you to enjoy the game overall in a much more simple fashion, right? And I think part of, to kind of add on to that quote a little bit, part of developing a style, um, you know, as limited players, we have a style already, right? That is a play style we like. It's a format we enjoy. As an EDH player, you, you know, you know certain things about that format that bring you to that format. But within those formats, there are obviously play styles such as what types of decks you like to play, what types of cards you like to see in those decks, the draft environment in general, like how you like to see packs break and things like that. So we're going to kind of walk through how do you determine what kind of sets you enjoy and then touch on a few other aspects, how that relates to you and things in a little bit of a broader scope. So as always with our mental magic episodes, we want to note that we are not experts on you know the development and design of magic sets or how you should think. We're going to frame this as our observations, things that we have noticed that have helped us and some advice that we can give from our experience, because I know we have a lot of the listeners that are a bit newer to the game. We have just a massive amount of time and, and effort put into this. And if we can share uh, our observations based on that to help make other people's experience better, then yeah, let's do it. 
Absolutely. So first up in our sort of four things to look for when trying to determine what kind of sets you enjoy. The first is ignore the populace, right? Early in a format, personally, I like to avoid looking at opinion pieces that are that are touching on the format. I, I like to avoid any post that says, this format is great, or I really like to, to see this here. What I want to do is form an opinion on my own of whether or not the format feels enjoyable without that outside influence from other people. And that's not to say I don't look at content before I start drafting. I'll definitely watch like set reviews and things like that. But I try to zone out anything that is touching on an opinion of the quality of the format as a whole. It can be pretty frustrating, like I said, when everyone else is telling you that a format's enjoyable and you just can't figure out why. So taking the time to do the homework yourself and understand if you're enjoying it before anybody else is telling you you should can really put you in a spot to recognize why you're feeling that way. I think Kaldheim is a good example of this. There's a lot of big names out there that really seem to be enjoying Kaldheim. But these people also really like casting Behold the Multiverse and <laughs> Glimpse and, and whatnot. So there's a little bit of confounding in our variables there, isn't there? I think that when people start to make their own opinions about this, it can be tough. Because if you're so entrenched in the magic community that you kind of automatically include some of these opinions as your own, well, then uh, it takes some conscious effort to say, well, wait a minute, what do I think about this? It took me a little bit of time to admit to myself that maybe Kaldheim isn't quite my cup of tea. I had to reason with myself and, and convince myself why. I've, I've convinced myself that um, there's a graph of fun on one axis and the different decks on the other, but it's it's a scale somehow, so it's, it's, not, um, it's not discrete. And uh, the area under the curve is like fun space, <laughs> I think. But the units of that would be uh, fun density, I suppose. And I feel like this set has a lower overall fun density, and it is very much skewed towards certain decks. Mm. I I'll draw a picture of this and post it in the Discord if people want me to, but it makes a lot of sense in my head. So this is how I convince myself, despite the fact that I think there's a lot of people out there saying that Kaldheim is a lot of fun. I'm not saying it's not fun, and I, I especially don't want to say that they shouldn't be having fun. But... This is how I was able to reason myself into saying, well, maybe I disagree with some of the people that I usually listen to. And that's just it, right? It's taking that time and understanding, like taking a step back and realizing, okay, everybody or these people I listen to or whoever it may be is saying that this is an enjoyable format. I'm not seeing that. Why? Right. And then doing the, the work that it takes to understand the answer to that question so that in the future... You don't have to ask those questions. You just know, like, okay, this is similar to call time. This is a format that's similar to call time. I'm probably not going to enjoy this going into it. But, you know, let's run some drafts and we'll see where it goes. Notably, there's a lot of people out there that enjoy that they find the fun in trying to find the fun in a format. There's some people who really enjoy trying to go deep and break the decks and, and push the format to its limits and see where it uh, it finally shatters. When they get that uh, gold vein pick helm monstrosity five color rune forge runes deck uh, and it comes together then that uh, that very sense of trying to find that deck is the fun part and that's also awesome but not everybody's like that some people don't find the fun in that so maybe those people enjoy core sets more or something like zendikar rising and that's also okay in fact uh whenever we say that we like stuff take that with a grain of salt too uh, ignore yeah, us yeah exactly and honestly at the end of the day, everybody enjoys different things, whether it's related to magic or it's in life. You know, I might like a certain type of 
bread that Ben doesn't like or, you know, something like that. I was going to say cheese, but then I, you know, I figured that just throws it out the window because you're lactose intolerant anyway. But oh, I mean, I still enjoy it. Just that's fair. <laughs> but anyway, I, I, I enjoy it immediately at the same amount as you do. But then later on in the evening, I stop enjoying it and it go. goes to a hatred. It's, yeah, you actively like, dislike it. Um, yeah. <laughs> that aside, people don't enjoy things the same way and you shouldn't feel pressured to enjoy things or to, to, to like the same things that everybody else likes. That said, start to pay attention. This is number two in our, in our four, four ways to determine what kind of sets you enjoy. Start to pay attention to formats that feel enjoyable no matter what. Win or lose, pay attention to those formats. Formats that you find you had a lot of fun when you lost the game, those are the ones to pay attention to. That's huge because it's really easy to enjoy a win, right? Any format that you're winning consistently in is pretty easy to enjoy. But when you catch yourself enjoying the losses, you get out of a game that you, you was super, super close and, you know, you just barely lost and you're just like, whoa, that was so fun. Write that down or make a note of that because those are the types of formats you're likely to feel that way about in the future, right? Again, keep sample sizes and such in, in mind. If you're feeling that way about one loss and then the rest of your losses are garbage and you feel like you never want to play Magic again, yeah, probably probably take take that into account as well. But just pay attention to those formats where the wins matter as much as the losses and the losses feel just as good as the wins because when you see that you can start to notice okay is now that i know i'm enjoying this format and this is a format i really like win or lose is it fast paced and combat centric is it super grindy or full of combos or something like that these are the pieces that you want to start paying attention to to recognize in the future oh i'm likely to like this set because it's similar to you know set x Mm -hmm. i'd actually like to go back and change one of my least favorite sets uh i'm gonna go back and change my least favorite set to be the updated arena cube because when i tried forcing red green and i just kept losing i didn't enjoy it <laughs> uh but on, on a serious note i think learning to enjoy losing is something that i need to improve at more given that losses make up roughly between half and one third of people's games in general that the best pros in the world have lifetime win rates of what 65 percent yeah, over, roughly. Yeah, over like tens of thousands of games. So even the best of the best still lose like one out of every three games they play. So being able to enjoy this game as a whole is, I mean, a big part of that is enjoying the ones where you lose. So I think some evidence of this is uh, noticing when you feel bad when you lose, when it feels like something was unfair. I think this was the dream trawler problem, right? When your opponent was playing blue-white, you were like, uh-oh. There's Beyond Death, I see uh, planes in an island. Is this a Dream Trawler deck? And then every single time they'd have the Dream Trawler and it just felt like it invalidated anything that you were trying to do. So that was one big knock people had against the There's Beyond Death format because the presence of Dream Trawler at Rare was so prevalent and so not fun. Uh, Those losses felt bad as opposed to losses where it was actually swingy. When your opponent has a card that just invalidates everything that you've done, that feels really bad. And it's not like a board wipe where there's some kind of uh, skill in playing it. When you just have a card that essentially says, I win the game, printed at rare, that's that's not cool. Yeah, and that's essentially the problem I think a lot of people feel with pr- uh, Prince formats overall or King formats. Yeah. You know, yeah. like War of the Spark was one that was a huge problem in this area. Almost every rare was like, oh, yeah, I guess I just lose. Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Yep. So that brings us to point number three. Understand your play style. Knowing your playstyle in Magic in any format is just a great litmus test in general for quickly recognizing if you're going to enjoy that format. If you're a control player and you play Modern 
and it's an aggro heavy format, you're probably going to want to take some time off, right? Like <laughs> you might not be super happy about that. In limited, it's the same way. If if you understand that you like a certain style of deck within the ecosphere of limited, but the format that you're currently looking at doesn't really support those types of decks, well, maybe maybe it's the type of format you're not going to enjoy. That said, try out new decks. Play outside your comfort zone. Uh, I think I have experienced this in limited myself over the last few years, where I used to be a very grindy player. I still love a good mid-range deck. That's kind of what I fell in love with in, in Magic in the first place. Just green, nonsense, uh, grindy, able to outcard advantage and then beat over the top. But then I discovered this thing called attacking. Now you play blue-white, so you're probably not familiar. But yeah, can it's you when you turn... That? <laughs> yeah, so you turn a creature sideways and it can deal damage. Anyway, <laughs> um, through trying out other decks in Constructed, it's actually helped me understand my limited play style a little bit more too. And I found that I like formats where you can reliably get a solid mid-rangey deck that's able to attack through and doesn't get you know instantly trumped by someone going over the top of you uh, and is able to manage if not uh deal with the decks that are trying to go underneath you yeah i think i've actually seen a similar almost transformation in my play style in the last year or so and i don't know part of it might be my time away from magic to play other games but I've actually noticed I've started to enjoy the lower to the ground mid-rangey types of decks. I used to really enjoy like very, very fast aggro decks like, you know, mono red burn and things like Mm -hmm. that. Like just every spell hits you in the face and you're dead in two turns or something. Yeah. But I've actually started to enjoy a lot of the more combat centric uh, mid-range decks because there are different decisions to be made in those decks. Not that they're necessarily more or less decisions than a control deck or an aggro deck or whatever, but they're just different. It's it, it's a different way to think about the game, and I've enjoyed testing those out. I will say, actually, I'm trying out a new deck in Historic right now, and I cannot wait to send you the deck list. It's Mardu Vehicles, like the olden days. Dude, I've got yeah. bad flashbacks about that deck just because of that GP we went to. But <laughs> Okay, okay, but it feels nice to have them on your side for once. That's fair. I forgot how amazing Curving toolcraft exemplar into heart of kieran into unlicensed disintegration into chandra oh man it's delicious it's so much fun highly recommend and this is the deck that i i honestly wouldn't usually play in fact at that gp that we went to ages ago we intentionally didn't want to play it uh partly because it was really expensive and partly because we just didn't really want to go with the flow but now that i've kind of gotten more experience playing these more aggressive decks i see where the value is in that and I think this uh, can relate back to Kaldheim. But if you've never drafted the green, white, or green, uh, red, or, or white, green, any of the Naya colors, uh, red, white, I think I didn't say, if you've never drafted one of these white, low to the ground aggressive decks, then you might be doing something wrong in your drafting process, right? You might be intentionally undervaluing or overvaluing certain cards. So being able to branch out a little bit can be good. Yeah, and it's a great way to mitigate those feelings where you know, you know, if you've done the, the the previous steps up to this point and you recognize, okay, we're going into a brand new format, let's say it's Strixhaven, I probably am not going to enjoy this format based on ABC. Well, maybe try the first couple drafts drafting the way you normally would. Play the Try to put together the decks you'd like to put together. And if things aren't feeling that great, start drafting some other stuff. You might find that there's a different play style for those types of formats that you don't enjoy typically that will help you to enjoy them better going forward. And number four on our four ways to determine what kind of sets you enjoy, be willing to just step away from the game when you're not enjoying things. When your enjoyment's running out and you're just feeling like every game is a chore, 
take some time away. The great part about Magic and it limited in general is, well, there's always another format around the corner, and sometimes the time between sets might feel like an eternity. Zendikar Rising was one of those sets for me. It felt like we were never going to get out of Zendikar. Yeah. I like the set, but it felt like we were never going to get away from it. But there's always another set to look forward to. So if you're not enjoying a format, take a step back, recoup, get ready for the next format, and understand that it's totally okay for you to just take completely take a, great, a break from the game for a bit. In fact, it's probably healthy to do so. Yeah, rather than burn yourself out even further and further trying to get those wins that maybe just aren't naturally coming to you, that's the point where you have to stop and admit, wait a minute, I don't think I'm enjoying this. It's time for me to take a step back, close out the game, go for a walk, maybe boot up something else, play some Minecraft. That's always relaxing, right? This is about where I'm at with Kaldheim right now. I'll still fire a draft or two here or there, but it kind of takes some convincing. I'd almost rather be saving my gems or practicing historic or something like that. So I think I'm probably not going to be doing too many more Kaldheim drafts, maybe if I'm feeling particularly inspired at some point. But besides that, I, I think it's time for me to, to switch and start grinding up that gold for Strixhaven. So how does this all relate to you as the listener? So we don't just want to talk about random theories and ideas that we've had. Let's talk about some of the things that you can do. So first of all, use the quests that you get in Arena as a reminder and an excuse to try out new decks. So this can go for constructed or limited. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that you force decks in limited, but if it incidentally works out, then oh, there you go. Whenever I get like a 750 gold quest for casting blue-black spells, I just groan. Like, oh, come on. I don't have any of my pet decks that fit this. I think I should be looking at this as an opportunity rather than a punishment. Yeah, we could always use more control players in the fold. Ugh. You know, I do actually have, I just made one deck because this exact same thing happened to me. I made Cat Pact. With like Nicole <laughs> Bolas and, and uh, Demonic Pact and, and all that stuff. So uh, I guess I found a way around it. Now, sometimes you draft the same deck over and over again after you win with it once. I think this is a pretty common, uh, you know, common error. Maybe you had a fantastic uh, red-white deck. And then in your next draft, you go, oh, well, I had that card in that last deck. I better take that, even if it might not be the right pick. So be careful with your recency bias on this. Uh that's what I'll say about that. Yeah, it can be really easy to fall into that trap. Definitely pay attention to the number of games you're playing and recognize, you know, maybe you haven't played that many games with a particular archetype or a particular play style. Um, it might not be your fault. It might not be that archetype's fault. It may have just been the matchups were bad or you happen to not, you happen to get a great version of that deck that doesn't always come together. So you did really well. Things like that. Mm hmm. I think human beings also naturally enjoy variety. So if you're drafting the same deck over and over or forcing it, then even if you're forcing what you think is a good deck, you might end up being uh, kind of losing some uh, some value there, whether mental or uh, gameplay-wise in the process. So another thing that you can actually do is talk to friends that have different play styles. So in real life, uh, saying that you should always try to get along with people with different views than you can be a little problematic because sometimes those people are awful and have terrible views that actually hurt people. However, in Magic, I don't think this applies. There's no right answer about decks or colors uh, besides the Hogak Crisis or Eldrazi Winter when there was exactly one deck you were supposed to play, but uh, that's ancient history now. So I've learned a lot, I'd say, from playing against Zach. Uh, you know, I learned how to... Uh, you know, poorly pilot a control deck by watching him. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> no, no, I, I learned how to, uh, sorry, my notes were wrong there. I learned how to properly play a control deck by watching Zach and, um, and other decks from talking to other people that have different play styles than I do. 
So I'd say one example of where this can be a practical application for limited is card evaluation. For example, take Iron Verdict. I think a lot of control players will look at this card and instantly see, oh yeah, this is a great control card. I want to sit back behind my walls and people will attack in and this is going to deal with pretty much anything that needs to be dealt with for a pretty cheap price. But then a lot of like aggro players might look at that and say, well, does this fit my aggro deck? Do I want to be dealing with something that's attacking me back? Or would I rather be playing a pump spell or a removal spell that doesn't worry about that? Uh, and they might not really see why it's not as great for the deck. So having a control player uh, in your in your posse would allow you to you know, um, work through that kind of card evaluation and kind of give you a leg up on the, the rest of the limited community. Hashtag join the Discord. <laughs> I guarantee in the Discord we have at least one player of every major archetype. Uh, it seems that there's an expert on a lot of different decks uh, floating around. If you need someone for mono green and historic, uh, hit me up. <laughs> a third thing that you can do is become a net decker. Now, you may be uh, shrugging at this or, or rolling your eyes because net deckers are, uh, it's a bit of controversy, right? Sometimes people will groan and be like, oh, you're a net decker, like whatever, you don't make things up. But I don't know, as much fun as it is uh, to win one fifth of your games with your wild brew, sometimes you'd rather win three fifths of your games or even more than that with any deck. Maybe you, you get the fun from the wins, not necessarily from your wild wins. In that case, there's no shame in studying how to best win, especially if it's your goal to say hit mythic or that kind of thing. So this is usually more, uh, more applicable and constructed thanks to things like MTG Goldfish and Channel Fireball and, and whatnot. But now, thanks to our pals over at 17 Lands, we get hard data about win rates in certain decks for limited. So this means we can actually go online, look and see what cards have been overperforming and adjust that in our heads. And ultimately, the goal of this is to have more fun by winning more games in the way that you want to do. And, you know, looking at the research is just one way to kind of give you another leg up on the situation. Yeah. And this all boils down to what you get your enjoyment out of. How do you personally enjoy magic? Not how do people tell you you should enjoy magic? Not how do you think you should be enjoying it because you have friends who enjoy it this way? How do you actually enjoy magic? If that's winning, yeah, go go look online, look at the data and see what's performing well. If that's making the wildest brew you can and, you know, eking by in random leagues that you never thought you'd be able to get wins in, you know what? Do it. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the beauty of a game is especially a game like Magic with so many different formats and so many different ways to play it. There's something for everybody and, you know, you just got to figure out what that is. Mm. I'd say figure out what your goals are, like Zach said, whether to win in an absurd fashion and maybe not as often or if you want to win as much as possible in whatever way necessary. Figure out what your goals are, then figure out how to have fun while achieving those goals. And I think probably the best test of this is to still remember, uh, this is up to you to figure out how you have fun. Maybe just ignore everything we say and, and go have fun <laughs> in your own way. Does that go so far as to be meta in telling everybody to ignore this entire episode? Well, they already listened to presumably most of it, so I think they're a little, <laughs> they're a little uh, too late on that one. Well, with that, uh, thanks for listening. This It's been a great week. Hopefully you got something out of this. I know I think it helped us just writing the notes for this. So, you know, at the very least, uh, hopefully somebody got something out of this. If you did, jump in the Discord. Let us know uh, what you thought. If we missed anything, definitely let us know and uh, give us your tips on what you do to stay mentally positive or mentally healthy with regards to uh, what types of sets you enjoy and taking breaks from magic and things like that. Outside of that, if you're interested in giving back to the show, you can do so over on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod or just share the show around, send it through your social media platforms and all that. Um, and uh, you can reach us on Twitter generally outside of the Discord if that's where you want to go. You can do so by 
adding me at Galfordian or Ben at Betafish1. And you can contact the podcast directly on Twitter via at DraftChaffPod or DraftChaffPod at gmail.com. And uh, while you're all on Twitter, you should tweet or respond to our tweet where we asked Wizards very politely to send us the worst card in Strixhaven for our spoiler. I don't think we're going to get a spoiler, but uh, no, we won't. Uh, I think maybe if the community pressures them enough and says, give them the worst card possible, the most unplayable piece of crap, I don't know, maybe they'll listen. <laughs> Here's hoping. We'll see you all next week. Later, everybody. So speaking of next week, we're actually not going to be releasing the show on the usual day. We're releasing it a day early. That's kind of weird. Is there anything special about that date? Nothing I can think of, but, you know, I think it's going to fit our schedules a bit better next week. So, you know, we'll uh, we'll go with that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think for next week we might. Something feels weird. I don't know. I don't, I don't. I think we'll probably have to see what ends up happening next week. Something. Yeah, it's going to be a little different. up in the air, I think. Um topics and all that you know we're coming up to a year so you know i think we're we're hitting the bottom of the tank we're probably going to never have any more <laughs> ideas ever and um but you know what at the end of the day i think you'll enjoy it huh. they better 